All right, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shalom. We're going to look at our Torah portion this week, and you'll notice that it's going to include Deuteronomy chapter 3, I pleaded Ba'et Hanan, and that is uh, Moses pleading God. Start. Let's go ahead and go ahead and pray, and we'll start. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this day, this wonderful Shabbat, to be able to gather, to be able to study your word, that you um, do draw a remnant out unto yourself. And as we read about this, that even though we are scattered all over the world, um, that your eyes are upon those who are turning back to you with all their heart, soul, and strength, and choosing to model their life according to your word and trust and follow you and walk in the footsteps of Yeshua our Messiah who lived out the Torah perfectly. Thank you for giving us an example of uh, saving us and redeeming Israel from their sins. And you made a way for us to be uh, able to return unto you, Father. And so I just ask that as we are here in the exile in this time as we study your word that we would turn back unto you and hear all your words and apply them to our heart and that then you would gather us from these four corners one day. So I just thank you for this wisdom and uh, insight as we read your word and to apply it. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Alright, so we're on 3 23. We're going to kind of go through the Torah portion kind of topically and um, go through all and, and, and hit on some major points that nothing revolutionary and super new but just Every time I read Deuteronomy, and especially because it's like Moses getting to an end of his life, uh, and this is kind of his parting words unto the people, and um, because he's gonna, he's gonna, <clears throat> he's gonna eventually die up on top of Mount Pisgah. It's interesting to me too. There's a little side note. There's Mount Pisgah out in Western Mass, New Hampshire, and. Um, uh, it's fascinating. <clears throat> we went down to the Minuteman Museum, and we were talking to one of the guide guys there in the house, and he said New England had a very high literacy rate, which was not that common at the time, but it was because of our our um, Puritan separatist background heritage that they all came here, and they were really big on teaching everyone to read, so you could read the Bible for yourself and apply it to your life and know what God said, and you know. And so, I think that's kind of a neat heritage, which is somewhat long gone forgotten. But we forget that a lot of what our nation was built on was people trying to read and understand and learn God for themselves, God's work for themselves, and be able to apply it. Uh, and now we're just trying to get people to read God's word. <laughs> you know, but it's pro- partly, you know, partly because we as people tend to whatever good things we establish to be able to serve God more, we tend to corrupt those things to do wicked things. And so we end up turning good things into bad things. But then, but God still works through 
through all of our problems anyway to bring about his will. So that's what's happening. So we're going to read in, in, uh, in Deuteronomy 3 through chapter 7 and uh, cover some highlights of these verses that are just really good. So, Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23. And I besought Yehovah at that time, saying, O Lord, Yehovah, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven and in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that's beyond the Jordan, the goodly mountain in Lebanon. But Yehovah was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear of me. And Yehovah said unto me, Let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. Get thee up unto the top of Pisgah, and let thine eyes eat, uh, westward, northward, southward, and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this way. But charge Joshua, and encourage him, and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. So we abode in the valley over against Bethlehem. So Moses, because he had struck the rock and had spoken unto it, God told him, you're not going to be able to go into the land. And, uh, which is really sad, but that was just uh, what God decided to do and what he set forth. And so Moses, instead of uh, being down and out about it, God tells him, encourage Joshua and charge him and strengthen him because he's going to go over with the people and cause them to inherit the land. And um, I don't know, as I was reading that, it just kind of struck me as we're going to read later on in the passage that we're supposed to teach these things to our children, and our children's children, that that was the same thing that God was supposed to, or Moses was supposed to do with Joshua, because even though Moses wasn't going to be the one to go into the land, he still had an important job to raise up the next leader after him raise up the next generation and teach them and strengthen them and encourage them. And I think that's the same thing we have to do in our day and age. I think a big problem is we are discouraging somewhat the next generation in a lot of ways through fear and through, um, oh, you know, our kind of doom and gloom mentality, especially in the prophecy world. At least that's the vibe that I have. I don't know what other people, maybe they're excited about it, but whenever I tend to listen to this uh, those who really like to focus on prophecy things, it's all kind of doom and gloom and chaos. Instead of strengthening, encouraging, instructing, go up and possess the land, you know, to equip the next generation with the tools they need to do God's work. And so I think that that's, you know, what I think we can drive from what God, or Moses is doing with Joshua here, and what God's telling Moses to do, and the same thing that we should do with our next generation, to instruct, to strengthen, uh, and encourage them, um, and not, not discourage them. Yeah, because Moses fully knew hard times were going to come, and chaos would ensue, and he says that later on when we read, but he still had to encourage Joshua along the way. Verse chapter 4. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them, that ye may live and go in and possess the land which Jehovah your God of your fathers giveth you. So here's like the beginning of the parting words of Moses that he's given to the children of Israel. And the first thing he tells them is, Hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and the judgments which I teach you, for to do them, 
So listen, pay attention, learn the statutes and the judgments, what she's teaching them. And then do them, why? That you may, three things, that you need to learn them and that you may live, that you may go in and then retain possession of the land. Because if they don't hearken and obey the statutes and the judgments, they won't live, they won't go in, and they don't possess. All three things of which happen. Because we already saw in the, well, in the wandering in the desert, they didn't obey and listen, so they didn't live. All of them died. They also chose not to go in, and so they didn't possess the land. And eventually we find out they go into the land, and they don't, they don't obey, and so they get attacked by their enemies, some of them die. Uh, they end up getting kicked out, and they don't possess the land. So it all hinges on this learning and keeping and obeying those statutes and those judgments which Moses teaches them. And that really, in a nutshell, is the story of the Bible, basically, from, from cover to cover. You know, will we obey God and listen to his judgments and instructions and, and apply them to our lives? If we do, we will live, go in, and possess. If we don't, we'll die, stay out, and, and, or, and not retain possession. Um, you know, and it's the same story over and over. And so, again, this, what we're to, I think, instruct the next generation, always, whoever that is, you know, encourage them, teach them, instruct them, so that they may live, go in, and possess the land. That's what we're wanting, uh, wanting to do. And then, I find it so fascinating. So, he's going to encourage Joshua, strengthen the next generation. He's to then, he tells them, keep the statutes and the judgments so that you may live, possess, and go in, go in and possess. And then he says, the very next thing is, verse 2, you shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish off from it, that ye may keep the commandments of Yehovah your God which I command So the very next thing he says, don't change what I gave you, which is exactly what we've done. On, on either side of the spectrum, Christianity and Judaism, they have both, both added to and taken away from God's commandments. And what does that cause? Because he says, diminish not from that, that ye may keep the commandments of Yehovah your God, which I command you. If you add to it, you take away from it, you're no longer keeping the commandments of God. You're doing what man has instructed and come up with. It's kind of like, sometimes I listen online to um, uh, Dave Ramsey's podcast. People will call in and say, I'm on your plan, and I'm on step so-and-so, uh, but we did X, Y, and Z. And he's like, well, if you did step X, if you did X, Y, and Z, you're not following my plan anymore. You're doing your own plan. That's not Dave Ramsey's plan. You know, so on an on a earthly, just simple instruction advice, budgetary level, you, people can see this. But for some reason, when it comes to the Word of God, we think we can cherry pick and change it. Add to, diminish from, reinterpret. And what does that cause? It means you no longer keep the commandments of God. And then it goes back to verse 1. If you no longer hearken unto the statutes and the judgments and you're not keeping them, you're not going to live, you're not going to go in, and you're not going to possess. In other words, those promises and what God said He will keep, those blessings will flow, only flow and only are enacted when you follow the instruction manual. You're not, you can't build a bike. You know, so if you get a bike and you put in it, or the grill, remember when I put the grill together in the living room? Uh, Gideon and Cleo helped me. And, or a Lego set. You like to do Lego stories. So if you've got a whole thing of Legos... And you, it was to build an X-Wing fighter or something. Yeah. And so, 
you get the instructions. But if you just decide to truck those instructions or add to it or take away from it and change it, well, it's not an X-Wing fighter anymore. You know, we understand this in everything except God's Word because we're too stubborn and we're too foolhardy and we just want to skip along, speed the process up. We just, you know, it's too tiresome to obey. You know, reading instructions so annoying. You know, and we tend to make fun of those people that do, right? The kind of nerdy people who actually follow the instructions and go really slow. But if you take note of those people in life, you tend to find out if they're the most successful ones. I was thinking about that for some reason earlier today. Oh, because our kids are getting older and who's going to be popular and, you know, because when you're in school or when you're growing up, oftentimes the popular cool kids, they're not the brightest bulbs in the box, usually. You really want to find those ones who are actually successful in school and doing really well and get along well with the teachers. They're probably going to go the farthest in life. I had to clean my act up there. <laughs> and so that's, my point is, that's what you want for your children. You want your children to learn from the Moses. Those who keep the instructions and the commandments and the judgments and the statutes that they may live and go on and be strengthened and, and built up. Not the cool people, not the core, not the rebellious ones, not the ones that are like, yeah, I know that's what the teacher said, but this is what you know. uh, There was a, turn it, I just thought of this, go to Psalm 119. So the first verse of Psalm 119 is, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the Torah of Jehovah. I wish I brought it with me. I didn't think of it before. Time. And I'm probably going to butcher it. So I have a, uh, I have a Chabad uh, uh, psalm book where they they stand in their congregations and they, they, they read the they read psalms. But it, it says, Blessed is whose... It says, blessed, there's something like that, who, who is not artful in the way, something to that effect. The word is art, artful or artistic or something like that. The idea of, you know, I, at least the way I think of it is something to do, blessed whose way is not artful. In other words, it's not open to interpretation. It's not in, inspiration or whatever you feel like putting on the canvas of the walk of your life. There's instructions on how you're... It is an instruction manual uh, uh, that, a, that an engineer would follow. It's not a uh, free-form splatter paint on the canvas, however you want the picture of your life to be. God has already painted it and laid it out for us. And so that's what we're to follow. And so he, said, he says, encourage Joshua. And then he says, listen to the words that I command you that you may... Live, go, and possess. And then secondly, on, which, which should be without, you know, uh, understood, is don't, add, don't change what I told you. Don't add to and don't take away from it. Okay, so now let's keep going. And let's skip down, um, skip down to five. Behold, I've taught you statutes and judgments, even as Yehovah, my God, commanded me. See, it's this, passing down from generation to generation, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go and possess it. Verse 6, there, Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, 
Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding that's right, that's right. So, the wisdom that comes from God only stems from His instructions and His statutes and judgments. Behold, I've ta- taught you these statutes and judgments. Therefore, do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations. You know, I think that's part of why Israel right now is a, uh, is a byword among the nations. It's, it is a... Uh, a derision, a source of derision and, 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 and obstruction and chaos and why most of the world, and they'll always hate Israel, but if they're not doing the commandments, they will appear, and as will any nation, including America now, have no understanding and no wisdom in the nations around us. Because if you forsake God's commandments, which we have wholesale done now, on, on every level. It used to just be, you know, at least we had a lot of it, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of it going for us. And I think that's why America was the superpower that it was. I think it's why England was the superpower that it was. I agree there was a lot of evil mixed in there, for sure. But then England fell, I, I think, because of their forsaking of God as they became uh, secularized. And now the same thing's going to happen with America. Because as goes the morals, the morality, the lifestyle, and the fearing of God or not, in the individual family of the nation, so will go the nation. Everybody gets all up in arms about, you know, who our president is and the political leader is. We get the leader we deserve as, as a nation. You know, don't crash your heads and wonder. But none of that's really our concern. I'm not really, I don't get that wrapped up too much in the uh, A lot of people like to, and then they try to attach a lot of, again, and and stuff with it, which makes it more involved. But as far as God's concerned with us, we are to obey His Word. We have to know His Word to be able to obey it. So, teach, encourage, instruct. Keep the, uh, in, the, um, uh, the judgments and the uh, statutes that you may go in, live, and possess. Don't add to it because it's your wisdom and your understanding. All right, let's keep going here. For uh, seven, for what nation? This is the nation talking about, about God's people. What nation is there so great that hath God so nigh unto them as Yahweh our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Only, nine, only take heed to thyself. Keep thy soul diligently. Lest thou forget the things that thine eyes have seen, unless they depart from thine heart all the days of thy life. But teach thy sons and thy sons' sons. It's a multi-generational thing. So they were to remember and to teach. They had to maintain this wisdom and maintain this understanding by teaching it to the sons. They had to remember it. And that word remember isn't, again, uh, in the biblical thinking, to just remember it and start playing past the idea of remembering is to act on it and speak on it. Speak on behalf of and, and act on behalf of the Word of God. That's what it means to remember. And so they were to remember and teach. Alright, let's keep going. 
so he goes and he's like saying, especially he remembers the covenant, you know, especially before when they stood on Horeb and they heard everything and they declared the covenant. 14, and Yehovah commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you may do them in the land where you go over to possess it. Take ye therefore get heed unto yourselves. For ye saw no manner of similitude in that day that the Yehovah spoke unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image to the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that's on earth, or the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, or that creeps, or it's in the waters, or beneath the earth, lest thou lift up the eyes of the heavens, you see the sun and the stars, and you decide to the serve them and not God. Paraphrasing there. So he's saying, you didn't see, this is another really uh, important passage. You didn't see anything on that mountain. There was nothing to make a physical representation of. And I think one reason of that is because God wants us to focus solely on His words, His instructions. That's the only thing He has left to us. And, and, and the picture of the tabernacle and temple, which all goes right back to His word and is all a picture of uh, what He dwells in in heaven and how He intercedes on behalf of us. So that's the only physical representation of everything He gave us. It all goes back to his words and his instructions, which are to be passed on generationally to father to son, to son, to father to son, to son, to father to son, to these family members over and over and over and passed down. Because they live and have wisdom and insight and understanding. So that's why it's so important that we learn these things, we study them, and we teach them, and we pass them on. And um, because if you notice, like, most. Uh, false religion have and or want um, some sort of physical image or representation or they get involved in you know, environmentalism and uh, the stars of the heavens and the earth and the earth beneath and things that are in the water and that becomes their God. And uh, we see that today a lot. Did you have something you wanted to say? No, I'm uh, agreeing with you. Oh, I thought you were afraid of the me? I don't have to wait out there. You were, I thought you were. Okay, so now let's keep going. Um, 20. Yehovah had taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him for a people of inheritance as you are this day. I find that first really fascinating. So, He's taking them as his inheritance. He thinks inheritance is something that is left to the next generation, passed down, and it's given uh, to those who follow behind you. And so God's inheritance, that which he passes down, is his people from generation to generation. And so his people, who he has taken as his own, are his inheritance that he continually passes down. And supposed to be contained within that inheritance, the value is his word which is carried along generationally by his people. And so that is his blessing, so to speak, to generations to come, is his word which is carried by his people. And so that's why he's so adamant about know my word, encourage, instruct, keep it, don't add to it. Don't make any graven images. You're my inheritance. This is what I'm passing down and giving the generation to generation so that life may be preserved and so that uh, wisdom and understanding will be carried out. 
And let's keep going. Where was I? Verse 20. And um, so Moses says, God's angry with me. I, I'm going to die here. But 23, take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of Yahweh your God, which he made with you. Make you a graven image, or the likeness of anything, that Yehovah thy God has forbidden you. So he's saying, take heed, lest you forget. Don't forget. Continually remind yourself. And there were things that they did to try to continually remind themselves. They made a pillar of stones in the Jordan that they went over. They made another pillar of stones and they plastered it with white and they the two, split the tribes between Mount Gerizim and Mount Baal and they recited all the curses and the blessings and they uh, wrote the covenant on the rock and you know so God gave them all these things to remember they still forgot they still made graven images and we do the same thing so we have to be continually vigilant and ardent to check ourselves and be realigned yes I think when I read these verses to me it's almost like wet paint don't touch you know when God gives these instructions don't take the graven image so that's exactly what we do yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. and it's, it's almost like God's telling us ahead of time what we're going to do. Don't do it, but it almost, I don't, I don't think I'm just like, God didn't tell us what to do, we're talking about all right. I mean, I know that's right. 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 Yep, exactly. Well, that's exactly what, um, uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. So 24, I love this. So he's saying, don't make anything, don't forget, don't make any foreign images, 24, for Yehovah the God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. You know, everybody's like to say, oh, God's love, God's peace, yeah, but he's also a consuming fire and a jealous God. He doesn't put up with it, you know, doesn't, doesn't, you know, he is merciful and gracious to those who have a heart that love him. But to those who are stiff-necked, he's nothing but a consuming fire. He will devour it out of the midst. Because, and even that is an expression of his mercy and his justice. Because a merciful and a just God cannot let sin continue. Why? Because to do that would be to be evil. Because sin and uh, corruption only breeds sin and corruption and death. And so to be a just God, to be a merciful God, he must be a consuming fire. Cannot allow. It's like an invasive species. You gotta rip it out and burn it. Otherwise, it takes over, and and all the good species that are supposed to be there will slowly be taken over and die. Which then, when they die, the ecosystem's all screwed up, and the invasive species won't even last anymore. So, you know, God knows what He's doing. We just, you know, He, he has trained God within our Western mind parameters of our Western mind, which is already corrupted, because we have forsaken his work and commandments and taken away and added to them, and so we have lost wisdom and understanding, and so then when we see true wisdom and understanding, it seems foreign to us, and we call it something other, because God says that there's just, equal justice under the law, and that sometimes the death penalty must be enacted for the sake of the people, and we say, oh, that's barbaric. No, we have just come so far that wrong has become right, and right has become wrong in our society. Alright, so, don't forget, God's a consumer in fire, and he's jealous, but you're going to sin. <laughs> 25. 
When ye shall beget children, and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, shall corrupt yourselves. So he's making, he's telling them, you're going to corrupt yourselves. You're going to make a graven image of all the things that you see, and you're going to do evil in the sight of Yehovah, and he's gonna, you're going to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that you shall utterly soon perish from off the land whereunto you go over to the Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong your days on it, but shall surely, utterly, but shall utterly be destroyed. <laughs> He's like, he tells him all these things, which, I don't, I always find some, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what to think of it, but he's like, do this, obey, teach, go in, possess, live, have wisdom, have understanding, don't ask you, don't take away, but you're not going to do any of it. And you're going to perish and be destroyed. You know, it's like, well, that's kind of depressing, why even bother? <laughs> But it's because he knows and God knows the condition of his people. That's why he knew one day the only way he can save his people from their self, themselves is to come himself and redeem them from themselves. Because they would permanently separate themselves from God by their sin. But to those who did love him in spite of their sin, he would give them a new heart and a new life to want to obey him. But since penalty for sin still has to be paid for and so he himself would have to come and deal with it. And that's why he came to Yeshua and had to die, the only perfect son of God, to be able to cleanse the slate and wipe it all clean. That nothing could do that. Animals can't do that. Human sacrifice can't do that. Prayer can't do that. And repentance, only his sacrifice do that in his initiative of blood and then rise from the grave and then that's why when you believe and trust in that you are then under his protection it's like that hen with the sculpture you're under the wing of protection it's coming again so they're going to mess up and so Moses calls heaven and earth a witness against you you basically you know, he's got to have two witnesses to, to that situation, this covenant that's being made, this promise that, you know, this is going to happen, and i got two witnesses here, heaven and earth, and they're going to see and listen and, and know what, you, uh, what you're going to do. And so, uh, 26, and then um, 27, so the result of their sin, Yehovah will scatter you among the nation, and you'll be left few in number, and among the heathen, whither Yehovah shall lead you. And there you shall serve God for the work of men's hand, wooden stones, you can see, hear, eat, or smell. So that's where we are right now. Scattered, few in number. And all of us have served other gods, the work of men's hand, wood stones, you can see, hear, eat, or smell. But, 29, if from thence thou shalt seek Yahweh thy God, thou shalt find him. And if thou seek him with all thy heart, with all thy soul. So, God, even though wherever we are, we're few in number, scattered, holes and cliffs and whatever, if we seek God, He will be found by us. And um, 30. And when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to Yahweh thy God, and shall be obedient unto His voice. And it's very important. You have to turn, repent, and then be obedient. For Yahweh thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swore unto them. For ask now of the days that are past which were before thee, 
since the day that God created man upon the earth, and asked from one side of heaven unto the other, wherein there hath been any such thing as a great thing, or hath been like it, or hath been heard like it? Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire? As thou hast heard and lived? Or hath God essayed to go and take the nation from the midst of another nation? By temptation, signs, wonders, war, and mighty hands, stretch out arms, great terribleness according to the Yahweh that God did for you in Egypt? 36. Out of heaven he made thee to hear his voice, that he might instruct thee. And upon earth he showed thee his great fire. Now heardest the words out of the midst of the and because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them and brought thee out of his sight, out in in his sight, with his mighty power out of Egypt. I find that so fascinating because there's other passages that say he didn't he didn't save you because you're so great and wonderful, you know. But you know he chose you because he loved that their fathers. So you know, praise God that he is trustworthy and consistent. Uh, and doesn't cha- and doesn't change, and it even says, um, "Oh, I'm going to butcher the verse." Something to the fact, therefore, our sons of Jacob, uh, I, I am Yahweh. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed, which is so true. I am Yahweh, your God. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. I forget what that verse is, but he says, and that's because he promised. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made these covenants. He made these promises. He made promises to David, Moses, and to us in the future. And that's the only thing that keeps it all running. You know, God knows we don't keep our side apart. You know, find it really. So, says, uh, he loved us. So, and he's going to drive out the nations. Where do I go here? Let's go. 40. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I have commanded thee this day, that it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee, that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which Jehovah thy God giveth thee forever. So these, this principle remains exactly the same today. Because we read, eventually we're going to sin, we have sin. He's going to scatter us human number among the nations. But if you turn back and obey him with all your heart, soul, and strength, he will hear you and bless you. And so, therefore, keep his statutes and commandments, which I command you to stay, that may go well with you. So, today, even in the exile, even in obeying his commandments, what causes things to go well for us? You know, we, we get duped by society, by life, and by our own fears. Uh, what it means to think so well for us to mean. You know, so we have to redefine what, what, what it means for things to go well. You know, it may be different than our definition because it's not always necessarily what's comfortable in the time. But sometimes we have to do painful and uncomfortable things in our lives for a period of time to produce the fruit and the fallout that he's seeking. First, you know, what if we choose to serve in our generation and obey God, and it's really difficult and we suffer for it and we lose jobs and homes or problems and, you know, strife and who knows what goes wrong. But then because of that, generation or two down the road, God had to use that situation to build building blocks to work out his plan and a generation or two later, you know? 
just like Moses. He had a horrible life. <laughs> really. It's not all kinds of great things, but, I mean, talk about a rough life. But God, God made it go well with him. You know, we wouldn't necessarily define it, either, but, but it, but it did. You know, he, he got to stand in the presence of God and speak face to face with Him. God made it go well for Jake, uh, Joshua. He got to go into the land, although he had to fight until he was super old. You know, and deal with all the people. Same thing, but he kept and obeyed the statutes and commandments. So we have to understand that God's definitions of things aren't always ours, and going well with us doesn't mean you know, sipping a. Uh, What's what's the that beer commercial I see? A Corona on the beach, you know. That's not necessarily God's definition. It's to, for things to go well means His plan is being worked out, and His words and His instructions are being kept and being obeyed. So that's kind of the gist of what I wanted to cover today. Um, he goes on chapter 5, basically renews the making of the covenant and the Ten Commandments. And um, in verse 6, you have uh, where we get the sh- where the Shema comes from. Let's read a little bit of that. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now, these are the commandments and the statutes and the judgments, which Jehovah your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear Jehovah thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee. So there's an element of fear that we may fear Yahweh God so that we keep all his statutes and commandments as I command thee, that thou and thy son and thy son's sons all the days of thy life and that thy may days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, observe to do it that he will be well with thee and that ye may increase mightily as Yahweh the God of thy fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Four. Hear, O Israel, Yehovah, our God, is one Yehovah. And thou shalt love Yehovah thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign on thine hand. They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them on the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when Yehovah thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he swore unto the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, houses full of all good things which thou buildest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and all that tree which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware, lest thou forget Jehovah, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear Jehovah thy God, and serve him, and swear by his name, Shall have no other gods but the gods of the people which are around about you. For here we go. Yehovah thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of Yehovah be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. So and it goes on and basically says, you know, obey and keep his commandments. And twenty, here's that generation again. But when thy sons ask thee in time to come, saying, What mean these testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which Yehovah our God hath commanded you? Thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and Yehovah brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Yehovah showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in and give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. 
And Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Yahweh our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive, as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahweh our God, as he has commanded us. So that's what we tell our children. Because we'll ask. And that's part of the reason why Passover and all these festivals are yearly remembrances and things that we, we do to remember and obey the because it, it's a reminder to every generation because that covenant uh, that happened at Sinai, all are brought into that and it's renewed to every generation. It doesn't just naturally carry forward because it's something that has to be born forth from a transformation, being born again in the heart to become part of Israel, part of God's family. That's the only thing that gets you out of Egypt is by being Israel, my son. Israel, my son, have I taken out of Egypt. And that's only redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for your word. And this Torah portion, how great and awful, wonderful it is, and awesome and rich. And uh, I thank, pray that we would just obey you and keep your commandments and instructions and teach them to our children and pass them down good